0: Hey history students, Uh, our topic today is the Vietnam War. Okay, I was fortunate enough to take a couple classes on this while I was a student at uh, NIU, one as an undergrad and uh, one as a graduate student and still is one of my favorite classes that I've ever taken. So um, we're going to get right to it. If you pull up the slides from the Vietnam War, you'll see the first slide is just a picture of a house says, my story, um, and here's my story, well, and how it connects to Vietnam. I grew up in that home many years ago on Prindle Avenue in Arlington Heights. And our next-door neighbor that you can kind of see, they have a two-story home there that actually wasn't two stories at the time. Um, but their son served in Vietnam, and I remember uh, them having a party for him when he came home. So there was a banner across their house when it was pretty small, probably like seven years old or something like that. And it said, welcome home from Vietnam, David. And, you know, I didn't know where Vietnam was. I didn't even know what it was at the time. Uh, I know that he had some difficulties transitioning back into American life, uh, but that's all I knew. So that was my earliest like memories of Vietnam. Uh, If you see the next slide, there's a bunch of pictures there. The Vietnam War is without question one of the most divisive things that's ever happened to this country. Over 56,000 Americans would lose their lives there, uh, but it went beyond just that. It went beyond, uh, it changed our culture, our view of ourselves, uh, the, the idea that we could never be defeated in anything. It was part of our culture in general. Movies. There's four of them there, but there's more than that. There's music, like war, which is an anti-war uh, song. And Night Saigon by Billy Joel, which I'll just play a little bit of, which is um, more of a neutral song to to Vietnam. I really like this introduction because he's got these helicopter. You can hear the helicopters come in before he adds his uh, piano riff. Well, let's take a little listen to this song, my favorite song by Billy Joel. Feel free to sing along as well or play air piano. Free to sing along as well. We left as inmates from an asylum, and we were sharp as sharp as knives. I should learn how to play that. The guitar piece is nice. I mean, this as well. Okay. Well, I'm going to bail out of that song. But there was numerous songs that were written about the war from all different perspectives. Okay. So really a hotbed issue for uh, Americans at the time. I won't play you the next song, which is a pro-war song, but it's pretty interesting as well. So you have to understand that the uh, the Vietnam War was really under the umbrella of the Cold War that we've talked about before and will continue to come back to. We're also going to have more on Vietnam in another podcast that links up with uh, President Uh, Richard Nixon. The question that we're going to deal with is what role did Vietnam play within the Cold War and how did these Vietnamese defeat this greatest army in the world? Okay. Indochina, which is where this is going to happen, is actually three parts, three different countries, Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. Vietnam is kind of an S-shaped country and is roughly the size of California. Uh, if you looked at a bigger map, you'd notice that how much smaller it is than China and kind of where it fits within Asia in general. The history of Vietnam is straightforward. It was a uh, smaller country that was colonized by different um, superpowers China, France, Japan during the war, and then back to France. Uh, the severed heads that are located in there were actually used as postcards. Uh, people that did not cooperate with the powers that were uh, controlling uh, Vietnam, uh, in some cases, were decapitated. And then they took pictures of these, and sometimes they learn, they turned into postcards. If there is one key figure, and imp- more important than anybody else in the Vietnam um, story, it's Nhi Nai Khoa. Nhi Nai Khoa was what looks like a fairly ordinary person. Uh, He was a cook. Uh, He traveled in the United States. He went to France and Great Britain. He was a real nationalist, meaning they wanted wanted independence for Vietnam. In 1919, he tries to meet with Woodrow Wilson uh, and uh, get him to approve uh, or support independence for Vietnam. In 1945, after the war... Uh, and this is after helping the United States um, military in limited roles, but he helped them in several ways, find down airmen, people that were pilots that were bombing Japan and then crashed their planes in the Vietnam, North Vietnam era, or area. <clears throat> he declared independence, and when he did this, he did this to a crowd of, say, 200,000, maybe even more than that, and he used, he quoted Thomas Jefferson's Declaration of Independence, you know, all men are created equal. Uh, and as he did that, there was a plane that flew overhead. That plane was an American plane. I would argue that that was one of the biggest missed opportunities in American history. This guy, Ni Nai Kwa is actually Ho Chi Minh, which means he enlightens. In 1945 and 1946, he also wrote President Truman, asking for independence as well. The turning point in this war, the first of them, was a place called Den Buen Phu, which is in North Vietnam. Den Buen Phu was fought between the French and the Vietnamese, and the Vietnamese beat the French. In fact, the French left after this conflict. The American policy, though, was uh, said we have to contain communism, And although Ho Chi Minh was a nationalist, again, meaning that he was uh, pro-independence, he was also a communist. And the United States had a policy towards that, so they couldn't seem to see uh, their way out of this. Uh, Eisenhower implemented what he called the domino theory, which just says that if he lets Vietnam go to communism, then other countries in Southeast Asia are going to go that direction, as well as probably the Philippines and Australia, and you know, before you know it, you have the you know Russians coming over the Rocky Mountains. That's kind of the theory behind that. He didn't necessarily say that all of that would happen, but he did illustrate that, and American people largely agreed with that. In the fifties and fifty-four, another turning point happens after Dan Buenfu, the uh, major powers, the United States, Russia, Meet, as well as others, and they decided to temporarily split Vietnam in the 17th parallel, similar to what uh, Korea happened in the Korea conflict. <clears throat> and in 1956, two years later, they said that they would have free elections. In 1955, uh the Americans back a guy named No Din Ziem. Ziam rules the country from fifty-five to sixty-three. In fifty-six, when free elections are going to supposed to happen, he rejects those. Why does he reject those? He knows he's going to lose. Okay, Ho Chi Minh will will win this election if it's a fair and free election. So it's very anti, you know, democracy, right? If you're you know you're going to lose, you don't have free voting. Okay, you don't use democracy. (coughs) No, Den Ziam. Had been educated in the United States and was a Catholic, which was very different from uh, most of the people in Viet- Vietnam who were Buddhist. Okay, John Kennedy. We fast forward into the 1960, 61, Gives this uh, emboldened speech. You know, is remembered as his greatest speech, and a masterpiece. And reading that again uh, tells us that that. He was really looking at things through the perspective of the Cold War lens. He was not interested in other topics per se. Now, this is only part of his inaugural speech. Uh, but when he says, says these words, he's really talking to Russia. You know, we pay any price, bear any burden. We're not going to walk away from anybody on this. Maybe his famous, most famous line in this speech is, you know, "Don't ask what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country." Uh, in a very short time period, uh, America's uh, goes from virtually nobody in Vietnam to sixteen thousand when he called advisors. Okay, some of these people are green berets, so they're not really advisors, but uh, it's more of a technical term that he wants to use. <clears throat> During the Kennedy administration, uh the probably the biggest problem they had was that a lot of people didn't like no din Ziem, and Ziem had discriminated and persecuted people, including the Buddhists. And the Buddhists reacted to that. Some of their uh some of their religious leaders actually uh set themselves on fire. They did the they sat in the middle of the road. You can see that's an actual picture. You can actually see video on this as well. He dumped out uh, he dumped uh gasoline on himself and then he burned himself to death and he just sat there uh It's an amazing I don't know how a human being could actually do that um but he did do that, and this really set uh the kennedy's uh Kennedy administration on edge in uh September second nineteen sixty three Kennedy gave an interview to a guy named Walter Cronkite, and he said it is their war. They're the ones to have have to win it or lose it. In that same thing that's used often by historians to quote the saying Kennedy was going to get these people out, he also says that we can't walk away from this conflict. So he says both things in the same speech, and people are selective in how they kind of hear what he says. Uh, unfortunately for Ziem and his brother New. Uh they are both assassinated. There's a military coup that the United States approved. Uh there's uh there isn't concrete information to say that they uh, approved the assassination of them, but definitely the removal of them, and maybe they should have known that the that was gonna happen anyhow. Uh only uh twenty days later John Kennedy is also assassinated in Dallas, Texas. Uh don't worry about the next slide. Cookies for Kennedy—that's just something that I would have done for for uh, class that I did actually last class because it was his birthday in November and happened to be when I was going over this. Uh, Robert Kennedy will be involved in the war just like he's involved in the civil rights movement and the movement for equality for Latinos and others. But the main character after this is going to be Lyndon B. Johnson, who's president of the United States after Kennedy is assassinated. And I think this quote by him says it all. He feels like he cannot lose Vietnam. Uh, There was a lot of uh, political um, uh, leverage that was against Harry Truman when China went uh, went to communism. And he knew that there was no way, based on this containment philosophy, that he could let that happen. In fact, on the next slide you see that it's called Johnson's War, and it largely is because of this idea that um, Johnson will ramp up the troop movements, okay? He's also got, if you can see that there, uh, an actual tattoo of um, Vietnam, which is uh, this political cartoon, which also has him having a very big nose, which suggests he also lies. Uh, That's probably true, at least, uh, especially on this topic, okay? You can see on the next slide, which is 25, the Trump... Uh, troop deployments, it gets to be over a half a million American soldiers that will fight in Vietnam. Unfortunately, when ZM is assassinated, there's kind of a revolving door or turnstile, if you will, of different leaders coming in and out of the government, uh, which is not helping, the, does not help the stability at all. The other major turning point, so... Uh, Geneva Accords, then Buen Fu, Geneva Accords, and then the Gulf of Tonkin is probably the other one. The USS Maddox and the Turner Joy are American ships. And on August 4th, there's what they think is an attack. We'll call it a phantom attack, like something that we're not sure, we're pretty sure did not actually happen. But he uses this, Lyndon Johnson, as a provocation to get Congress to give him a blank check on to run this conflict. During this period of time, too, he's running for re-election. So it's critical that he doesn't make any you know moves that will undermine the policies in Vietnam. He's running against a guy named Barry Goldwater, and I'll see if I can't put in uh, an advertisement that they did um, during this election that de- deals with Vietnam. He wins that election by a landslide. Uh, This is the most impressive uh, election landslide of the uh, 20th century um, with 61% of the votes, just a little bit ahead of Franklin Roosevelt, to give you an idea. Where does the Americans really get involved in this war? Well, the National Liberation Front, which is the Vietnamese... The North Vietnamese um, military, uh, also known as the Viet Cong by the United States, uh, meets the American military forces on November 7th, 1965. Colonel Hal Moore is the commander of the 7th Cavalry. Um, This movie uh, is also, or it, w- it was made into a movie and is probably my favorite of the Vietnam movie. Um, so if you get a chance to see it, Mel Gibson stars in it. Um, it is, uh, Life of a Soldier or something like that. Now I've forgotten the title, but you'll find it. Just type in Mel Gibson in Vietnam and you'll get it. But the I Drain Valley is the first time that they meet. After that, 1966 to 67, the United States uh, implements what's called rolling thunder, dropping bomb after bomb after bomb on them. In fact, more bombs than they did in World War II. They also use new types of bombs that are called, that have different um, chemicals in them, including Agent Orange and Napalm. Both of those are really, really terrible. Napalm is like a jelly substance. If it gets on your skin, it will just burn it, okay? Uh, the cost of running the conflict is about $50 billion a year. So a tremendous amount of money uh, would be much, much higher in today's uh, dollars. Americans' goals there, you'll see that by even this time, they were thinking that you know, um, to secure some kind of South Vietnam, to stabilize the government, uh, and maintain some kind of support. Even then, they knew that this was only a 50-50 chance. At home, there was starting to be anti-war protest in front of the White House, kind of like what Alice Paul did. I'm sure that Lyndon Johnson didn't like to hear their their uh, lyrics. Hey, hey, LBJ, how many kids have you killed today? Can you pass me the butter? Uh, the next picture really shows that uh, Johnson as completely overwhelmed by the Vietnam crisis. And on top of that, he has two people that he's concerned about most in his struggle. One is Martin Luther King, who he has helped, you know, with the civil rights movement. We talked about that before. The Civil Rights Bill and the Voting Rights Act were both passed under Johnson's administration. Um, Martin Luther King feels like it's morally wrong to fight this war. So on April fourth, nineteen sixty-seven, he gives a speech at Riverside Church, which is in uh, New York, and he condemns the speech. Uh, he condemns the Americans' involvement in there, uh, which is just completely uh, shocking to Lyndon Johnson. He thought he had a real partnership with them, but his wor- worst nightmare is Robert F. Kennedy. Robert F. Kennedy is a senator from New York, as I said before. After he left the attorney generalship. And he is starting, he has also gone out and criticized America's policies in Vietnam. And Johnson thinks that Kennedy may run for the Democratic nominee for uh, president in 1968, which ultimately does happen. So next time we're going to pick things up, we're going to pick up the year 1968, and we're going to get into the Nixon years with Vietnam. So hopefully you enjoyed this and you have uh, a great day and be safe.